Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We usually put together the Mi'kmaq Matters podcast on Sunday. Last Sunday, we were working on an episode about Mi'kmaq language instruction and the language camps that took place recently in Grand Falls, Windsor, and St. George's. Another camp was scheduled for Cornerbrook in mid-January. The lead instructor was Joel Denny of Eskasoni from across the water in Unamagi. Before we were finished the episode, we saw the news report. Joel Denny was under arrest for 25 sex-related charges, some of them involving minors. The hurt caused by such an incident spreads wide. Of course, it's most painful in Eskasoni, especially among the alleged victims. Alleged victims. That's the first difficulty in doing an episode on a topic such as this. In the Canadian court system in which Joel Denny will be tried, he has a right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. Survivors of sexual assault have described how unfair their presumption is. Often, it is they who feel on trial when subjected to cross-examination. There are other layers to the experiences of indigenous survivors of sexual abuse, especially women. All too often, the crimes against them don't get to court at all because they're ignored by police and silenced by a system that don't take the crime seriously. So, with some nervousness, this episode enters into that conversation because we think it's an important one to have. Our guest this week is Elizabeth Marshall of Eskasoni. You may have seen her posts on Facebook following the charges against Joel Denny. Eskasoni is the largest Mi'kmaq community in Nova Scotia, but it wasn't always so. In the 1940s, the Department of Indian Affairs centralized Mi'kmaq people into two centers, Shubanakadi on mainland Nova Scotia, Eskasoni in Cape Breton. Today, there are about 4,500 people living in Eskasoni, big, but small enough that everybody knows everyone else, or else knows of them. The Denny family is a prominent one in Eskasoni, and Joel Denny is well known because of his work in Mi'kmaq language instruction. Joel Denny is currently out on $5,000 bail and has been ordered to live in Malaga Watch, a smaller community jointly administered by five First Nations, including Eskasoni. I spoke with Elizabeth Marshall about the reaction in Eskasoni to the charges against Joel Denny. I started by asking her about Malaga Watch, Joel Denny's home, until further notice. Well, actually, we have title of all the land, so it's actually a minor technicality, but the Indian reserves that have 
been under the Indian Act leadership since 1952. One of the designated reserves is Maligawad, and they are controlled by the other five bands of Unamagi or Cape Breton Island. And it is located along the Bredore Lakes, um, towards Inverness, in that, you know, that, uh, I mean, River Denny's, not Inverness, towards River Denny's, and closer to Waikagama than any other, or Wigalma than any other Indian Mi'kmaq community. So that's how their relationship would be to us. And because it's, um, it's more like, um, a place where cottages would be, people would go to, because our people have the tradition of going to different areas to harvest, mm-hmm. depending on the type of time of year. Mm-hmm. So that Maligawaj community comes from that tradition where our people would go at certain times of the year and stay in a in a camp without electricity and water and whatnot to live like they're, where they were born. Although fewer of the today's generation were born outside of the hospital of any mm. but uh for my parents say for instance they were they would have been born you know at home more mm. or less and and their early life would have been living without uh you know without running water i mean in my life here in Escazone, same thing in the early 60s mm. in the 70s we didn't have uh, mm-hmm. outdoor plumbing Yes. Hot water. We had electricity. We had cold water, but mm-hmm. we were pretty lucky to have that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and Eskasoni, this is the I, this is you know I've been thinking a lot about this whole issue because people sort of there's this sentiment here where they want to remain silent about it. Let's just silent about what the charges against uh, Joel Denny. Yes, charges the whole issue of sexual abuse, and they want to remain silent about it, or you, you know. When you say remain silent, do you mean not talk about it publicly, or what do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or the I guess one of the comments that struck me was not to talk about it anymore. So it's very difficult for the uh, immediate family. And when when he was when he's uh, ordered to uh, stay in Malaga Watch, is is he with family there, or who is he staying with? From what I understanding, my memory is, uh, yeah, he has a little camp there. He probably has all the luxuries. As a matter of fact, I recall him boasting about how he converted maybe a flatbed it was or a, or a trailer. Because mm-hmm. he's talented in, in uh, carpentry-wise and, you know, artistically, I suppose. And he converted this thing into a small home for himself there. How far is Malaga Watch from Escasone? Well, by water, about boat. It's not very far, but by by uh, from es- by Escasone to Malaga Watch is about an hour drive from here. Mm-hmm. So it's not very far. And Malaga Watch, I understand, is not as is. How many people live in Malaga Watch? Maybe a hundred or so on a part-time basis. Or part-time to full-time basis, maybe more. Some people live there for the, have cottages there, cabins. Yeah, they have cabins. We call them cabins rather than cottages. And yeah, they have cabins, um, some of them without without electricity, or some are more sophisticated, and they do have the modern conveniences. But 
For the most part, no, they're not. They're hooked up maybe to well water, and they would have to provide their own septic. There's not any um, system there to deal with deal with that. No, it's very. It's more like a country setting. Mm-hmm. For uh, people to harvest, to swim, to relax, and it's actually a very beautiful, peaceful. People would go to have to have peace, I guess, and to be relaxed. But uh, there's other cottages. There's only a handful that live there permanently, like uh, full time. Mm -hmm. But there's a number that that the families go there. Um, all seasons to harvest and to gather with family, but so it is a it is a um, community of Mi'kmaq people, and yeah, I hear they they don't like the fact that he's there or anybody that's been charged and convicted. I mean, I suppose I mean I suppose he has to go somewhere, so you know that's the. Difficulty. He can go. He can go somewhere into old people's home. He's sixty-seven. Why should he have to live here with us? Yes. Why should he have that privilege? Hmm. Can I ask how people in Eskasoni found out about the charges? I suppose you found out about them like the rest of us did through the media. I actually saw members of his family posting first on Facebook, and I said, OMG. So then I went to the RCMP page, hmm. and I saw that he had been formally charged. Right. And so, yeah, ask, then the media started to, and then I started to, yeah, media had posted and everything, yeah. Tell us a bit more about Joel Denny and his uh, position in the community. Joel Denny marketed himself in as being the expert on Mi'kmaq language and culture. And he's been active for quite a while in trying to promote himself as the expert on different aspects of our material culture such as Walter's making, drum making, um, and also he claimed to be the expert on Mi'kmaq language. And in the area of tourism, for years, he was marketing himself as an elder. So, yeah, I, I would say that he was pretty prominent, at least among the men. And, uh, well, I think, uh, as a language teacher, I think uh, people, many people... Oh, he was even the immersion... In Iskasoni, there's an immersion school. And he was the elder language instructor in the immersion school. Hmm. Uh, and he was in Newfoundland recently doing uh, doing language camps. And I, I think people were, uh, like the camps that he did, they you know liked his knowledge of... Uh, of Mi'kmaq, and we're pleased to have someone with uh, his background in the language in their in their in their language camp. Um, and I suppose that um, at Eskasoni, Eskasoni being the size of community that it is, uh, most or all people would know uh, Joel Denny, or at least know who he is. Every single person here would almost know anybody that's. Probably a teenager, young adult and up mm-hmm. would know who he is because of his uh, family. They're a big family here. Denny family is a prominent family here. So, yeah, it's going to be, he would have, and he's got a lot of kids. 
So chances are one of the community members will know one of his kids or mm-hmm. one of his grandkids. He's got a huge family. We think of uh, the victims, of course, and uh, the trauma yes. for them. But uh, and how is it? Uh, I suppose even for the wider community, it's a it's a difficult experience dealing with um, the nature of these charges. Well, in our community, this is what I have found: that there is a patriarchal culture within our system that I believe was is brought over somewhere. I don't know how we got infected into be so patriarchal, but we did. And I and in that there's in all in I'll tell you. In most of the cases that I know of where the female was a victim of abuse or even a boy was a victim of abuse, the males most likely will be defended. Now, I do not understand that logic at all. I don't. But it's common for the males, uh, the, the family to defend the males for um I've seen it so many times where the male is defended for abuse against women. Many times. So I don't understand it. Are you saying that um, there that Joel Denny has supporters who uh, say that the matter should not be discussed, or what? What do you mean exactly? Yeah, there's a still a sentiment that the silence should be enforced. That somehow by speaking about the um, the whole issue of child sexual abuse is too offensive or too real or too something that people some people are asking it to be silenced. Chief um, Roderick Gugu from Wakagama said. Uh, to the court system that he was not uh, in favor of people being released uh, on bail into uh, Malaga Watch. Uh, is that, uh, I, I guess, other people would share his concern? I would guess, yes. Lots of people would. I, I would guess not only the people of his community, I'm sure he's speaking for them, but I'm sure the people of, because I've been seeing the comments coming from people of that community as well, uh, that they're not comfortable because they as well have cottages or cabins there and they're not comfortable knowing that he's there. He's dangerous to children. Mm. Well, allegedly mm. dangerous to children. I mean, uh, I, these things are always very difficult because, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, someone who's, who was alleged to have committed these very serious crimes that um that uh, you know are are shocking to people uh, but yet he's a Mi'kmaq person he's uh, uh so it's hard to know how to deal with a uh, someone who's alleged to have committed these crimes I think our priority now we have to be more on guard as a collective people and we have to make priority the protection of our women and children first. Who cares if he's Mi'kmaq or not? 
I think as women in this era of missing and murdered women, I think we have to demonstrate uh, our own our own commitment to our own women and children hmm. first. So would 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 people in Eskasoni feel that he should have remained in uh, in Sydney uh, rather than being uh, uh, sent to Malaga Watch? Yeah, he could go to a city somewhere, Sydney maybe. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Let him go stay into a Sydney or Halifax or Antigonish or some other city. I know it's uh, a difficult. Um, it's a difficult thing to talk about. So Elizabeth, I'm thank you for talking about it um, and, um, and telling us about the reaction uh, to uh, this uh, story in in Eskasoni. So I do appreciate that. Thank you very much for your interest too, because the 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 power that we can share with one another is to to break the silence, and so we have to equip one another with knowledge, and we have to equip one another with information, and we have to be pro women, pro children. And we have to find ways to protect the victims at all, even if we do offend somebody or his family or whoever. We can't be afraid of those things anymore because as younger ones, that's what we were. Like my generation, we were so oppressed being Eskazoni, being the capital of, of, of residential school, capital of Indian Day School, it was the capital of centralization. We were the capital of genocide at Eskasoni. So we're very well accustomed to being oppressed, suppressed, and silenced. And I thank you for for um, taking an interest and, and uh, being a voice for the victims. Elizabeth Marshall of Eskasoni. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Mi'obigake, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.